says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in the way of death. True story. (laughs) I'm like, babe, I know. But you know, there's always conviction afterwards. (laughs) All right. um, All right. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for all that you're doing. Thank you so much for preparing me, Lord, that God, to just be in this exact moment in this place, as well as all of the other believers in this place. Thank you, Father God, so much for your word coming forth right now. I thank you so much that I am out of the way and that your voice is heard and not mine. I pray that I am invisible and you are visible, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to read, starting now, chapter 21. Now it came to pass that when we had departed from them and set sail, running a straight course, we came to Kos, the following day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And finding a ship sailing over to Fionica, or Fionicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Syria, and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul, through the Spirit, not to go to Jerusalem. When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way. And they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we knelt down on the shore and prayed. When we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship and there returned home. And they returned home. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to uh, Polmos, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we, who were Paul's companions, departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, the evangelist who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now, this man had four four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hand and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So from the scripture, we see that Paul travels a few different places, costs, roads, Patara, Tyre, stayed with disciples. He hears a prophecy in Tyre. Uh, then goes to uh, Polmos, stayed with Philip the Evangelist. Um, then a man named Agabus came down from Judea and gave him the second prophecy, saying, So shall the Jews in Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and will deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. But, verse 13, here it is. Paul says, For I am ready not only to be bound but also to die, to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. We see here that Paul was adamant. He was persistent. He was absolutely sure 
about dying to self, taking up his cross, and following Jesus. Paul knows what awaits him in Jerusalem, and he is not afraid. The Spirit told him long ago, he knew the cost when he knew that he was going to take up his cross. The two accounts of them prophesying in Tyre and Caesarea, it it wasn't news. It wasn't anything new at all. He knew this was to come already. This was just the confirmation of what was to come. He knew what he was bound to, following and being obedient to the Lord Jesus and listening to the Holy Spirit. How are we listening to the Holy Spirit? In the previous chapters, chapter 20, 22 to 24, Paul says, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations awaits me. But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. As well as in 19, verse 21, it says, When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit, when he had passed through uh, Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also go to Rome. We, we see that the acts of Paul, they were, they were purposeful, being led by the Spirit, specifically to do God's will and follow Christ no matter the cost. Paul walked out the Great Commission that Jesus gave us all, saying, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of age. As well as we see in Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Paul walks out his faith, runs towards following Christ, towards his calling, regardless of the circumstances, situations, fears, what others say, how he feels, or what he sees. Walking by faith, not by sight. He still follows Christ. Why? Because Paul was committed. He was committed to Christ. He decided in his heart and in his mind to follow Christ. There was no other option. We read about Paul in Acts 9. When he was named Saul, before his name was changed to Paul. So he was traveling to Damascus to jail and persecute more Christians. This was Saul's mission, to jail and persecute Christians, where he followed his heart and decided to follow his own plans. Again, there was a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. On his way to Damascus, he had a huge encounter with Christ. It says in verse 4, Jesus asked him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And in verse 6 it says, So Saul, 
trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So Saul, being blind, followed what the Lord told him, and he went into the city. We see from Saul's encounter with Christ, being Saul still, not yet Paul, he, he still obeyed exactly what the yeah. Lord told him. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said, go into the city and you will be told what to do. It wasn't go into the city, then Ananias will come, then I'll have some disciples there for you and giving him the whole plan. It's obedience that we're looking for right here. So being led and assisted blind he obeyed and went into the city. Amen. Now, further down in Acts 9, uh, Ananias, another example of following Christ, was told by Jesus in a vision to go inquire at the house of Judas for Saul of Tarsus. It says in Acts 9, So the Lord said to him, Arise, and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Ananias knew of Saul. He knew his treachery towards Christians. He knew about the harm he did to Christians in Jerusalem. He knows his allegiance with the chief priests, that if you call in the name of Jesus, you can be bound and jailed. Ananias knew all this about him. He's heard it all. But guess what? Regardless of what Ananias knew or what terrible circumstances he could face or how he could have or how he could by Saul, how he could be Saul's next victim, Ananias still followed the call of the Lord. Ananias went, he spoke and touched Saul and Saul received his sight back. Both of them being obedient in following the will of the Lord, regardless of what circumstances they faced. Saul, soon to be Paul, was then baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it says, Then Saul, after staying with the disciples in Damascus for a few days, then 20, verse 20, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. It says, immediately after. So, he met Jesus, obeyed Jesus, followed Jesus, was discipled, then started preaching. Now, let's look back when, when Saul was blind before converting. I know sometimes in our lives, we can have a similar encounter with Jesus as Saul did when he was blinded. But our encounters is due to sin. And only by the grace of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, he can correct us. If we dabble, if we play or entertain sin, we will be blinded by our sin. Yeah. Being blinded by our sin, only, only Jesus Christ can reveal that to us. Yeah. Only when we cry out when he's there asking us to repent, we say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Then Jesus turns and softly says, turn away from your sin. Do my will and return to following me. 
But at times we don't like that answer. We try to justify our sin. We compromise. We want to feel like we have the right to be in that place. Like we have the right to deserve. But again, in that state, we're blinded. Then Christ has to frustrate our plans in those moments. Kicks us off our donkey to get our attention. And when he does that, we ask again, why is this happening to me? And Lord, what do you want me to do? Here, you're wanting a different answer from the first he gave. Other than the answer that he gave you directly. Looking for the way that allows you to keep your sin. Looking for something that caters to you. To yourself. The way that leads to death. But again, you don't see that you're blinded, but Christ does. You're not praying in that moment. You're not reading your word. You haven't repented. You're not seeking wise counsel. You are justifying what you think is right and doing what you think you deserve. But Jesus already said, turn from your sin, do my will, and follow me. We have to stop being blinded. Stop being blinded by our sin. And, turning from our, and turn from our desires, turn from our wants, and turn from what you think is right. Yeah. Or how you think you deserve something. Yeah. And truly follow Christ. Yeah. So, on Saturday, after the man up, I was a part of the cleaning crew. And my duty that night, that morning, was to clean the sanctuary and in the foyer. And so, as I was cleaning, I started vacuuming from this right side to the left side. Starting from the front to the back. I get through this first row, complete it. Get through this second row, complete it. As soon as I hit the third row, there's this like 50-ounce coffee cup that's like with 10% coffee in there. I'm not calling anyone out, but it was there. So what I decided to do in that moment was I took the coffee cup from the third row and put it in the fifth row. And I was like, I'm plugged in with the vacuum. I got my headphones on. I'm not going to get out of this rhythm. And so I come down that third row, go back the fourth row, and where's that cup at again? hindering me, preventing me from finishing the work that God had for me. All right. Cool. So from the fifth row where I put it, I put it in the seventh row. (laughs) So I finished the fifth row. On the sixth row, I'm coming back down to the seventh row. There's that coffee cup. So I'm like, all right. So I decided in that moment, instead of moving the cup around and around, hindering, preventing me from what I was to do, I decided to throw the cup away. And in that moment, the Lord said, that's sin. That cup is representing sin. So once I threw the cup away, there were no more hindrances. I was able to complete my work and finish the work that the Lord had me to. And just like Paul You can't let anything get in the way of you following Christ. Not sin, not suffering, not your own satisfaction, not what other people think. Absolutely nothing. Your walk with Christ is you in Christ, not you in the world. Isaiah 55, 8-9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts because 
His thoughts and ways are higher than ours. As Christians, we are called to turn from our thoughts, turn from our ways, and submit to his thoughts and submit to his ways. If this feels completely against your flesh and makes you uncomfortable, good. (laughs) Remember, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Don't lean on your own understanding, but walk by faith and obey Jesus, which is the will of the Father. Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't say, follow yourself or follow your neighbor or follow your employer. He wants us to die to ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. We listening? Amen. Again, we read that Paul suffered to follow Christ and preach the gospel. Trying to reach as many people as he possibly could. Going from town to town, from city to city, trying to reach as many as he possibly could. He was ready to die, being led by the Spirit, following after Christ. How are we following Christ in our walk? He didn't care about chains. He didn't care about tribulations, opposing Jews, Gentiles, crowds, chief priests, Roman soldiers. He didn't care about anyone. There were times he was tired and worn out, but he still followed Jesus, being led by the Spirit. Paul was committed to following Christ. He didn't care that, what that meant for him or what he would face. He was committed. Amen. 2 Corinthians eleven, twenty-four and 25, Paul says, From the Jews five times I've received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. He follows Jesus. And if you call yourself a Christian, we must follow Jesus as well. Paul followed Christ. Disciples followed Christ. We're to follow Christ. Into being stoned, into into receiving lashes, being shipwrecked, whatever the case may be. We're to follow Christ. What have we really endured? says he was committed he made up and made it up in his heart and in his mind regardless of anything to happen to follow christ just as he followed christ the disciples followed christ following jesus the disciples leaving their families their jobs everything they had to follow him matthew 9 9 says as jesus passed on from there he saw a man named matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him follow me So he, Matthew, arose and followed him. Matthew 4, 18 through 20. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. John 1, 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said, follow me. The disciples physically followed Jesus. They walked with him, and while we might use our physical bodies, this is a spiritual concept with the same expectations. Following Jesus, you must surrender to him your entire life. It's not 50%. It's not 80%. 
It's not 95.5%. It's literally following him, submit it with your life. Yes, it's a tough road. But the promise of eternal life awaits us. For those who endure to the end. That's a promise from our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a promise that we hold on to. Setting our minds on things above and not things on this earth. Jesus says, follow me, follow me, follow me at work, in private, with your spouse, with someone else's kids, wherever. We have to follow Jesus. So I used to work for AT&T from 2012 to 2015. That's where I met Kevin Moogie. <laughs> That's why I'm here, basically. Praise God. <laughs> so I went from sales rep to assistant store manager to assistant store manager team lead. And it was a cool time frame of being there. Um, but before I became a manager, I had this one manager who was just, just the amazing manager you want to work for. Um, always remember this guy. So he was literally one of the best managers I've had. This guy would always challenge me. He would coach me. He would try to make me sell more even though I didn't want to. Uh, (laughs) He was very encouraging and he was the example of the manager. So from following him and being coached by him and trained by him, I decided to become a manager myself. And from following him, chasing after what he already established for me and He showed me exactly what it took to be a manager. And me following his lead is what made me a successful manager. So I hope you know where I'm going with this. Jesus is who we follow. He's our example. He's the one who coaches us. He's the example to live after. He's the one we pray to and get the information we need of how to grow ourselves, how to follow this process of sanctification. Jesus wasn't disobedient. Jesus wasn't an adulterer. He wasn't prideful. He didn't hold offense. He wasn't lustful. He didn't have idols. He didn't have unforgiveness. He didn't have any unrepented sin. He was blameless and sinless. And he's our example we follow. So why do we continue to do these things? When we're saved, we're set free, correct? Aren't we? Yes, we were born into sin, we know. But... Jesus made a way out. Yes. Out of the way, out from the law of sin and death. Yes. Through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Yes. Isn't that why he died for us? Yes. For you, for each and every one of us individually? To bring salvation to us all who accept him and follow him. To reconcile us back to God. We know this, but do we really know this? Are we showing we know this in our walk? Are we showing we know this when we react to people? Do we really know that we're free? When temptation comes, do we know this? Romans 8.1.2 says, there, We know this scripture. Therefore, there is now, therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life 
in Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. So why do we keep walking after the flesh if we're to walk in the spirit? Continually sinning. Continually thinking that you're going to be fine and you'll have forgiveness. You will, but until what extent? When's that last time going to come? It's easy for us to say that we follow Christ. But if we are continually sinning, who are we really following? 1 John 3, 4-6 says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. This verse is saying, if you live a lifestyle of sin, if you're trying to keep sin in your pocket, you never knew him. 1 John 4, 2 says, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. This is not me. This is the Bible. That's what that says. This is the word of God that's alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. Hebrews 4, 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and in this discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasures out of his heart produces good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures out of, of his heart produces evil. What's in our hearts? What are you filling your heart with? Christians follow Jesus. If you're not following Christ, you're not... Sorry. Following the examples Jesus set before us, we see how he submitted to the Father in obedience. He lived a perfect life and died for us, taking on the sins of the world for us. Just because we come to church, no pastors, select Christian on surveys, vote for Christian candidates, have Christian parents, kids, friends, or say you're a Christian in public, doesn't make you a Christian. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that's walked out, following Christ. We say this time and time again, but the Lord had me to say this again because we're not listening. Being a Christian is a lifestyle. We don't get to do all the stuff the world does because we've been saved and freed from the world. Although we live in this world, we are not of the world. We have to take every thought captive. We have to meditate on the word. We have to kneel and pray to the Father and listen to the Holy Spirit. We fast as Christians. We build our spiritual intimacy with Christ. It's a relationship. It's not a religion. We must submit our entire lives to Christ. These are the things we do as Christians. Being a Christian is a lifestyle. It's not a phase or it's not a phrase. Matthew 16, 25 says... For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Church, 
Which one describes you? We see each other at church, but do we see each other in private? Are you busy trying to save your life on earth, living according to the flesh for your sake, for your wants and your desires? Or are you losing your life daily, living according to the spirit, being like Christ, following Christ, regardless of affliction, regardless of suffering, regardless of any persecutions? Are we really following Christ? A disciple is not above his teacher. A worker is not above his master. The same things that Christ suffered, we are ready to take that on with our Christ. The same thing we read about Paul suffering, we are to take that on as Christians. Because at the end of the road, we're all going to face judgment. How will you be judged? You're judged on what's in your heart, not what people see on the outside. We are Christians. You either live like a Christian and die to yourself, or you can find yourself in this world dying here and in the next life. And if you haven't found eternal life for anyone that's in here, and you don't know the relationship that we have with Christ, I want to give you a chance now and give you an opportunity. An opportunity to turn your entire life and trajectory around to serving Christ, living for him, and hold on to that eternal promise that we Christians have. It's truly a joy to follow the Lord, to die to self, to live for him. It's not scary. It's not fearful. It's pleasant. It's comforting. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity now. I'll have every head bow. If Jesus has been calling you, working on you, or if this is the first time you're encountering hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to respond. Respond before it's too late. With Christ, you will find life and life eternal. Outside of Christ, there is no life. There's only death. If there's anyone in here for the very first time that needs to give their life to the Lord, I just want you to raise your hand. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us. Father God, I thank you so much for, for, for your goodness, your glory, you making this night possible, Father. I pray, Lord God, that you keep each and every one of us in your hand, Father. I thank you so much that I can get out of the way. We can pray to you, Father. We can serve you, Father. And we can go through any trial, keeping our fi- eyes fixed and focused on you, Lord. Lord, I thank you so much for this night. I thank you so much for encouraging us for uplifting our spirits, for us to have the courage to preach Jesus to anyone and everyone that you have us to, Father. I pray, Lord, that God, that we are fixed and focused on you. We are steady and studying in our word. We're loving each other, Lord, that God. We are not holding offense. We are not holding any unforgiveness, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so... If you have kids, get your kids. Have a good night. <laughs> Thank you for watching the Faith and Victory live stream. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check us out online at faithandvictory.com. 
We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and we'd love to connect with you there. If you'd like to financially support Faith and Victory Church's ministry, please text FAVC to 77977. God bless you and keep you. From the FVC Live team.